Hello and welcome to the Hey You Got This podcast. I am your co-host, Stacia. And I'm your co-host, Lizzie. And we are your friends in all things wellness weirdness. And today we are talking about the world of yoga and really diving into maybe some of the like secrets, I guess, of the world of yoga, things you might not expect, yoga weirdness, and just the good, bad, and the ugly. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to talk about this. It's actually funny because Lizzie and I had talked about doing this episode months ago. It's true. And then we made a little bit of a pivot given current events, and we were like, hey, actually, let's revisit this. Let's talk about it. There's so much that we can discuss within this topic. I know. I feel like this has been on our topic list since like we started the podcast of like, yes. eventually we'll eventually we'll talk about that. Yeah. And we're more than 30 episodes in everybody. Ah, can you believe that? So it wild. still blows my mind. That's I'm like, really episodes wild. Yeah. That's really, really like surprising to me. And I also love how you made the comment. I don't think it was on the podcast when you're like, if you would have told me back in high school that I was going to be on the radio, Stacia, like, <laughs> here we are. And I love referring to this as like being on the radio because now I feel 10 times cooler. Right. Well, it is kind of, I, I think podcasts are so funny because it's basically just like millennials and like, you know, people in the current age rebranding radio and making it seem like it's this brand new thing, like this cool new thing. Oh, podcasts. And I feel like every one of our parents' generation is like, yeah, you idiots. That's just the radio. <laughs> I know, but it's still funny because I feel like our parents' generation are like, what are podcasts I don't understand? And I'm like... Radio on demand. So we are your radio on demand on wellness weirdness, and we're here to talk about yoga, y'all. So get yoga. Yeah. And I mean, I will say too, I feel like I should just preface it with this, but in Western yoga, there is so, 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 so much cultural appropriation. And I just want to like honor that right now. And we'll talk about it a lot as well in the episode, but just know that like as a practitioner, as a teacher, I am very aware of that. I think it's important that we talk about. And also I'm sure those of you who are like really into yoga philosophy will maybe hear some stuff that is a little bit cringy today. And that's what we want to dive into. I think it's really important that, like we said, we acknowledge the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because I know also from a fat phobic perspective that there's a lot of body discrimination within the yoga space for what people should be showing or what people are capable of doing based on their body size when there's actually a lot of really amazing yoga practitioners of all different shapes and sizes and that that should be celebrated. I do like to remind people sometimes when they're... Like I've had students who are like, I just can't figure out blah, blah, blah pose. And like, this is a very broad generalization, but at its core, yoga was started by these very petite, very lean Indian men. So there are some poses, if you are not a lean, petite Indian man, that like your body's just not going to want to do or that are going to be super, super uncomfortable for you. And also, you know, at the old yoga ashrams in India, people would practice like all day. So just take that into consideration as well. There is a lot of that. I remember like when I was doing yoga hardcore all day, every day, 
And it took like serious, serious practice and commitment to even begin to get to some of the more complicated poses. So like it really is a consistent practice as far as when you see people doing like the really impressive stuff. So true. Yeah. And I also always like to tell people like, and you know this, Deja, you're a trainer, but it's like your flexibility can only get you so far and strength can only get you so far. Some of the poses in yoga are such that like if your bones are structured a certain way, you just like straight up won't ever be able to do them. And I don't feel like we talk about that enough. Like this might just be your skeleton. Don't beat yourself up about it. This is very true. We all, I know, I feel like it's cliche, but it's not a competition and we don't need to compare ourselves to others. If you are somebody who practices yoga occasionally, never, always, that like the name of the game is what can you do for your body that feels good for you and to not need to feel like you need to be somewhere else just because someone else is further along in their practice or in a different place or has different capabilities. Uh, So always just a friendly reminder. I know it's easier said than done. Yeah, well, and that is so like, I feel like, You know, even if you are going to yoga for just like straight up fitness purposes, like I have scoliosis. I started going to yoga to help with just like my general discomfort. It was never something that I intended getting like really into spiritually and like lifestyle wise. But like, yeah, even if you are just going for the physical aspect, it's it's easy to get caught up in all of these other parts of it. And at the at its core, yoga is like this very, very personal, intimate experience with yourself for so many reasons. And I think it's really important that you honor that and like meet yourself where you are and accept that versus yeah putting in the competition aspect of it because really once you start to get like really comparative with other people around you you're kind of losing the yoga aspect of it if you will. Lizzie so I would love to know a little bit more about your experience as far as you have been a longtime practitioner you've been a teacher you have done it all and uh, I would just love for you to tell those who may not be familiar with like kind of your background in the yoga world, because you are definitely more of an expert. So thanks, Stacia. Um, yeah, so I, I felt like yoga was really like on the periphery for me, like throughout college, like I was interested in it. But because of, you know, rowing, I didn't really I didn't have time for it. I didn't really look into it that much. Um, one of my best friends from college actually was like, really into yoga. And she ended up being the person who took me to my first yoga class. It was a hot yoga class. And I was like, why would anybody ever do this? This is truly terrible. But she had taken me to a yoga class. I nannied for a woman who actually owned a yoga studio. And so it was like always there. And it was something I was really interested in, but I was just kind of like, eh, you know, not right now. And then Graduated college, wasn't rowing, had a lot of really uncomfortable body stuff that I now know is like partly due to my scoliosis. But I was like, you know, I want to figure this out. I'm 22 or whatever, and I shouldn't be in pain all the time. And I just happened to be driving home from work one day, and there was a yoga studio in my neighborhood, and it had a big sign that was like 23 and under, which I was, you know, 22. It was like 23 and under membership for like $40 a month. And I was dirt poor, but I was like, I can afford that. Count me in. And so I had no idea, which I think is so common for students. I had no idea what kind of studio I was going to. I had no idea that there were different types of yoga. I was just like, it's a yoga studio. Great. I'll go. I now know that I was practicing Bikram yoga, which we can get into later in the episode. But yeah, so I showed up. I started going all the time. I would just go after work. I you know, I was fresh out of college. I was living with one of my friends from high school, but I was in that like weird 
part of your life where you're like, what are, who are my friends? What am I doing? Who am I as a person? So I just had all this free time and I started going to yoga all the time and I really loved it. And I still remember this one teacher that I would always go to, like she remembered my name and she would notice like when I made improvements in my practice and when you're 22 and you're fresh out of college and you're in like your first job where you're just like a basically a glorified intern and then you go to a yoga studio and people are like excited to see you and recognize you and compliment your practice like that is so huge and so I started going there all the time and then I just kind of was like this is so interesting I want to learn more about this And so I did a yoga teacher training that was vinyasa yoga, which is power yoga, because I wanted more of like the athletic side of things. And also at that time, there weren't a ton of yoga trainings in Seattle. Actually, my cousin Kelly, who I know is a fan of the pod, (laughs) um, had suggested that I go to core power yoga because they had just opened in Seattle. And so I registered for their teacher training and just I did it as like, I want to learn more about yoga which is actually a really common reason that people do yoga teacher trainings. They have no intention of teaching, but they just want to learn more. But a huge part of my training was learning how to teach and practice teaching. And then afterwards I was like, well, I could do this. This is pretty fun and ended up really liking it. That was in uh, early 2013, I believe that I did my teacher training and it's now 2020. So I've been teaching for about seven years, which is crazy. And I've done a lot of like additional yoga trainings. Like I've done a yoga nidra training, which is kind of like meditation and yoga. I've done restorative trainings. I've done a lot of like weekend workshops. So it's something I'm always trying to learn more about and dive deeper into, especially because there's, it's, It is like this sacred practice with a lot of history, but also there's so many types of yoga. So that's kind of my like professional training, if you will, I suppose. And then, you know, since I got my certification, I would teach, you know, like one class a week. And then I started teaching a bunch of classes a week while I was working at Amazon because I hated working at Amazon and I was just miserable. And then I took a year where I left Amazon and was I now recognize that I was just really burnt out and needed kind of like a reset year. And I taught yoga full time for a year, which is so hard. I so admire people who do that because it is like such a constant hustle. Did that full time for a year, realized it wasn't really for me and then went back into like the marketing side of things. But I, you know, I still teach like private lessons or I'll teach like one class a week at a studio. That's my story. <laughs> Love it. You've also done those like pop-up yoga-led classes that are like branded for you that I think are always such fun ideas that you have come up Thanks, with so Stacia. far. And I'm sad that I haven't been able to attend one, but hopefully in the future it will work with my schedule. But I'm always like, oh, I love the way that you have married yoga and mindfulness and put your own touch on the classes that you lead for I appreciate that and your community so I'm always excited to see what you're doing in the yoga world (laughs) yeah and I also think it's so funny um it took me probably until this year to realize that I could create kind of my own thing because my training was so rigid and structured and you know also like life is just kind of a comparison game. And I know you and I are the type of people who are like, what's everybody else doing before we look like inward to ourselves? So it's been really fun to be able to be like, what would I want from a yoga class? And how can I really honor like the history and the spiritual side of this and try to like teach people more about yoga beyond just like, 
here's how you can look cute in your Lululemons, you know, but also like keep it very on brand for donuts and down dog too. So it's been, it's been fun to play around with, but it's kind of scary. It is. But I, I just, from an outsider's perspective, it's been fun seeing you put yourself out there in that way. And it seems very you and very purposeful and intentional, which is always amazing to see. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think I think it's our responsibility as practitioners to always be learning and to mm-hmm. think about how we can like best serve, you know, our students and ourselves and I also think it's really important to I mean, you can practice yoga for like your entire life 12 hours a day and still never learn any everything, not anything, uh, but not learn everything and so I also think it's important like it is our responsibility as practitioners to continue learning. Yes as well. Yep. I think that's something that's really important and that I find to be important pretty much in any type of profession, especially where you're like interacting with other people. Like I love my therapist. He is also a teacher at a university. Oh, that's cool. So he only does therapy part time, but he's also engaging in like teaching classes about what he does in his work life. And so that I always really admired because he's like, oh, I'm always constantly learning more, even just through teaching others. And so he's not just doing this one thing, being able to like expand and continually learn and be active in that process, I think is important. Yeah. And I do think this is like, I'm sure personal trainers have the same like sort of joke maybe, but like yoga teachers, we always joke that it's like great when one of us gets an injury because then you like learn more, so much more about just the physical body and how to be compassionate for people with injuries. But it's like, it's often helpful as a yoga teacher if you also have some other job or some other experience that you can be bringing into, you know, like I have rowing or like when I was working a really, really stressful job in the tech industry, I felt like that made me a much more compassionate and better teacher because people would come in after work and I would be like, I know how you feel right now. Like, let's create a really great space that makes you feel really empowered and really good about yourself. So it's a cool practice. Yeah. I think that that's important because I don't think that everybody necessarily goes into becoming a yoga teacher or leading classes with that amount of intention. I know that I have experienced several different types of teachers and there's definitely some where I'm like, who never want to come back to that or like, what is even going on here? And again, that could just be a personal preference, but I do always really appreciate those that like take the time to really intentionally show up and lead. Yeah. And I do think, you know, it is, it's just like training. It's just like so many other jobs where it is really hard to hold space for people in that way. And that's also why I am so glad that I'm not a full-time yoga teacher anymore because it is really hard to teach a class and to hold space, like especially this like really like self-care centric kind space when you are having a bad day mm-hmm. or when you're in a bad mood and it's just like it's so much energy to be like really effectively communicating how people can move their body like I mean you know Stacia that's a really specific like set of language skills that you have to have but also like you know in yoga I'm not just trying to give people a good workout or get them to move and stretch their body it's also like you're trying to teach them about mindfulness and teach them about like the eight limbs of yoga and all of these other things so it's a lot to think about and you really have to be in the right headspace for it. And I think the more experience I have teaching and the more years I get under the belt, the more I'm able to see that. But I definitely can reflect on some classes when I was first teaching and I'm like, 
I should not have taught that class. We all like, have those I should have moments. gotten a sub, yeah. <laughs> there were plenty of things where I was like, oh, I can't believe I took that client through that workout. Like, yes, I'm so like, glad I did I not hurt that person. Like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> I still remember one of my friends um, died very tragically, and I went to her memorial service and got pretty drunk. Dan drove me home, and I taught the next morning, and I was so heartbroken and also so hungover. And I didn't, for some reason, I wasn't like, I can't teach this class. Someone needs to sub. I was like, I'm going to tough it out. And it was just like, I'm pretty sure I had to stop myself from crying a couple times in class. I was, yeah, it was terrible. So, and I always think of that as like, girl, why the fuck were you teaching? But (laughs) so if you took my 6 a.m. class like six years ago, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, you poor thing. I was thinking about how, uh, so for me, it's funny. I don't know if, I feel like, I don't know if it's just people within the yoga space or the fitness space that know about True Fusion, but that is when I first started getting into yoga was the very first True Fusion opened up in Las Vegas. And uh, now it's like a crazed sensation all over the world. But I started when they were just one studio, one little studio in Las Vegas uh, at their flagship gym. And they had a lot of really awesome yoga classes. And I actually got connected to this one teacher who like changed my life. Like I think about him so often because he was just literally the embodiment of love and light in like a not annoying cliche way but in like it just you literally are soul and uh, like he was just an incredible incredible leader and teacher through the space and it was actually funny because I got really into yoga for like six months like I'm telling you I would go do my workout at the gym and then I would go to a yoga class and be doing doubles at True Fusion and workouts You're at wild. the gym. Yeah, that's hard. That's so hard on your body. And uh, got really into it. But I remember going to one of his classes and he was like near the beginning and he was like, if you keep showing up by the new year, you will do the splits. And I was like, as if I've never done the splits, you're out of your mind. <laughs> like this is Sir, never going to yes. happen. <laughs> and I kept showing up to his class every single week, all the time, kept going, kept going. And then it was December 26th, I believe. And uh, I was in a class. It wasn't his class. Like she made the offer to, you can go into the full splits. And I was like, eh. like I didn't want to go to yoga that day. I was really not feeling it. And then as I like, relaxed into it I just like went into full splits and I like wanted to cry I think I did cry (laughs) because I was like he said I would get here and I did like I can't believe it having like awesome instructors to guide your practice is really really awesome as somebody who isn't certified in any type of way for yoga and uh, I've really appreciated how yoga has helped me to reconnect back with my body. I think that that's something that I get that in strength training for myself. It allowed me to be more in my body, but I think yoga was truly the way that I was able to reconnect back with myself in ways that I had not been allowing for myself for pretty much all my life. (laughs) And that's a really good point. So I really appreciate how yoga has allowed the space for that and to be in your body and then also feel safe in your body as somebody who like disassociated a lot of her life from her body. (laughs) I do remember having that realization because I got into yoga right after I had been a very competitive athlete. And when you're, you know, a college athlete or whatever, there's so much based on like your physique, like 
like in rowing, there is this formula for how weight efficient you are. So like it's like speed to your weight, you know, and there's like all of these fluctuations you can make of like, okay, Stacia, if you weighed this much, you'd probably be at your fastest, right? And everything's about getting faster, getting stronger, getting better. And I remember when I started going to yoga really regularly, the teacher would just be like, it all that matters is that you're here Mm -hmm. and that you're doing it. And I was like, wow, imagine that something (laughs) that I don't have to achieve, you know? And it was like, that really blew me away that like, it didn't matter if it was a good class or a bad class, all that really matters was that I went to class and especially when I started and I was doing really really hot yoga there would be a lot of times where I would just have to lay on my mat Mm -hmm. and that would for me that's like so hard to do and the teachers would just be like yeah that's fine like you know meet us when you're ready it doesn't it doesn't matter like no one's gonna be mad at you and that was really refreshing for me and it felt like my world had been cracked open and I think that that's it's really important to have something it can be crafting it can be yoga it can be singing or something that you're just doing for the sake of enjoying it and I I think that was the first time I had ever done something that wasn't like you know a competitive had some sort of competitive angle and it also made me really appreciate my body because you're just like oh my gosh yeah I couldn't do the splits a couple months ago and here I am doing the splits or like you know I realize if I go to yoga class a couple times a week my body feels so much better and like I'm taking care of myself and I remember you know in my early 20s it was pretty fresh after my mom had died I was coming out of like competitive sports it was just like it felt like my home. It felt so wonderful to me. Well, I feel like it's one of those things where it is a good representation of compassionate movement. And I'm not saying that everybody that practices yoga is achieving that because I think a lot of times within the space, you want to achieve those poses, you want to get better. And so you might be hard on yourself about getting to that point. But ideally, I do think yoga at its core is meant to be a super compassionate way to move your body. And I think especially as women that that is something really important to have in your life because a lot of times with movement, it's like, well, you're going to do it to lose weight. And it's like, actually, I mean, like all exercise, whatever. That's something that is super frustrating to like not associate exercise with weight loss. But I really liked yoga in the sense, like you said, like you could show up and they're like, be compassionate and kind to your body. Not like go harder. You can do more. Leave it all on the floor. No pain, no gain. Like yoga is kind of like, no, you, we accept you as you show up to the mat. Like as you are today. That's beautiful. Yes. This is a great segue into why I stopped going to Bikram yoga because (laughs) there's so many, I mean, watch the Bikram documentary on Netflix. If you guys have not already, there's also a really good book called Hellbent. um, And I'll link these in the show notes. But I was, I started going to Bikram yoga. I didn't know that it was a Bikram yoga studio because it was just called like hot yoga. And I really loved it, but I started looking around and, you know, there were different teachers and they had a couple different like non-Bikram classes, but everybody at the studio that I practiced at wore like little booty shorts and sports bras in class. I was that bitch. (laughs) It's so hot. I mean, and I have been that person before too, but I started realizing that there was a lot of competition with instructors about, you know, just like physique. And then there were some, I remember I took this one woman's class and I like kind of fell out of a pose and she was like, get back in it like stand back up. And I know that she was just trying to be like, come on, you got this. But I was so like 
in a bad place that day, having a bad day, did not need my yoga teacher to yell at me. And I was like, oh my God, all yoga must be like this because I had only taken that kind of class. And then I went to a different studio and it was exactly the experience that you're talking about. And then I started reading up about Bikram the person and all of the scandal in the Bikram yoga world and how it was like they would, you know, do all these crazy diets and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to transition out of this (laughs) and go to a different type of yoga. But I also think it's really important. I think it's easy to, which I had done. I was just going to this studio, not knowing anything about the history, not knowing anything about like just the culture of how people were treated. And then I like just kind of randomly found it. And I was like, oh my God, I have been participating in this. Get me the fuck out of here. And I think that happens a lot. And so I do think it's important since it's not just a physical practice. There's a lot tied up in it to research kind of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And like, yeah, if if someone's name is tied to the practice that you're doing, maybe like find out if they are a rapist or something. Exactly. And it's so wild because my friend just sent me this article about this yoga studio that I had loved in Brooklyn. And mind you, I didn't have a particular attachment to the studio itself. I just really, really liked the instructor that I would go to their class. But she sent me this long article about how they're like these slum landlords that just do terrible practices to their tenants and during the pandemic showed up at a single family unit that they owned that they were renting out to eight different people. So illegally and essentially tried to evict them, like showed up and was like, you guys all need to get out and like doing all this terrible stuff. Great. And so it was this big, long article about these like terrible people that own this yoga studio. And I was like, oh my gosh. So like really, truly sometimes, I don't know, I think we talk about it on this podcast, like being intentional with who you give your money to as well. So like if you are taking yoga, like it doesn't hurt to do even just a quick little Google search or to figure out more about what the studio is about and how it was founded and who teaches there and things like that. Who's the owner. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So this is, oh, this is a perfect segue into like some of the less than ideal parts of the yoga world, because I do think it's really important to acknowledge. And I also think I was like this as a student and I have since learned through many bad experiences, but just because someone is a yoga teacher or owns a yoga studio does not mean that then they are living the yoga life (laughs) and an amazing person, which it's easy to see somebody in class for one hour and be like, oh, Stacia's like this. She is this person. And to like, I've done this. I know other students have done this where you like build this teacher up in your head as being this person. And then you realize that they are a human and maybe not that great. So something that I always really suggest that people look for, because this is really telling, is if you have a studio that you like, notice if there's a lot of turnover with the instructors, because that's a sign that something shady is going on at the studio, because I don't know if people know this, but yoga studios notoriously pay nothing. They pay, I mean, they will try to get away with not paying their employees. They pay like below minimum wage. It is very, very common for yoga studios to actually 
treat their employees very terribly and they kind of gaslight you out of saying, well, you should, you know, you shouldn't be doing this for the money. You should be doing this because you care about yoga and your students. I cannot tell you how many instructors I've, you know, or owners I've had give me that talk or friends who've been given that talk. And it is like, okay, yeah, this is a practice where we care about people, but also Seattle's really expensive and yoga classes are really expensive. So where is all this money going? And there's a lot of that. And so I I just encourage you guys as you're going to classes, like notice if so like the place I teach right now is incredible. All of the teachers have been there for years and it's the only place that I teach for that reason. Mm-hmm. You know, so just kind of get curious about, okay, are the people, you know, do other instructors take classes? Cause that shows that like if the instructors are in class, they probably believe in what that studio is putting down. Are the same instructors here or are they bouncing around? If they are bouncing around, like What's going on with the studio, you know, that maybe is doing like I've had studios who have been like, you have to show up at this full day training that's mandatory, but we're not going to pay you. And legally in the state of Washington, you cannot require someone to you can't do that. And it's just yeah, it's complicated. And it's a lot of people who own yoga studios are maybe very passionate about yoga, but know nothing about business and have no place being in charge of, you know, people and their income and their livelihoods and creating this really intimate, sacred experience for other people. So, Or the owners are not at all rehearsed in yoga and just want to make money and don't give a crap about people. So common. (laughs) That's really common too. Yeah. And I don't think people think about that. Like I certainly have gone to studios before where I've been like, oh my God, the interior is beautiful. Everything about this, like the music, the aesthetic, is great. And that's because a really smart business person probably opened that studio, but they could not give two shits about the yoga itself or the experience. Core Power Yoga, where I got certified, is actually going through a bunch of lawsuits right now for this reason mm-hmm. that they're just like, you know, yoga is a business. And they've brought in all these people who know nothing about yoga to help the studio generate a lot of money, but to the detriment of all of their instructors and the student experiment experience. And it's just, it's just, yeah, it's a fascinating place. So tread carefully. Yes, please. And also I would love to know more about the, your experience with cultural appropriation within the yoga community. Cause honestly, that's something I'm not super familiar with. So I'm kind of curious to know more about how you have seen that show up in the yoga space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, at its core, yoga came from India and it's an Indian practice. I have, you know, and I'm not saying my friends who are Indian speak for every Indian person, but many of my friends who grew up in India have said like, yeah, we did yoga in school every day, similar to like PE or something. But their yoga looks often very different from how we are practicing yoga in the United States because it's been really westernized and yoga was brought over in, you know, kind of like the Woodstock era as this cool alternative practice. But since then, it's been just like it's evolved to cater to like really, I mean, the first people in the United States that were able to access yoga were like really rich, privileged white people Mm -hmm. who were like, this is cool, you know, like the Beatles um, and things like that is like, this is a really cool practice. And so it has evolved in so many ways to be so physically focused and not focus on the spiritualism side or the mindfulness Classic. side. Classic. Classic America. Classic America. <laughs> I know. Something I always like to point out to people, especially people who are very like driven by like when I've had students who are just like, this needs to be hard. I need to get ab, an ab workout. Mama, mama, mama. I'm like, 
in yoga, there are eight limbs of yoga, like that make up your whole yoga practice and like make up the, like the foundations of yoga as like a belief system. And one of the limbs is asana, which means like pose or like the physical side. So only one of the eight limbs is the physical practice. So that's, if you'd like divide that out, that's 12 and a half percent of the whole practice of yoga is the physical practice. But in the U.S., we focus so much on just like, this is a good workout and it is really healing. But like, I mean, a lot of the poses that are taught in America aren't even like traditional poses. I actually was reading, I'll have to try to find the article. I don't remember what it was called, but it was an article by a practitioner kind of when all of the racial justice, um, like George Floyd movement started. And she was like, I do not use Sanskrit in my yoga classes because I do not speak Sanskrit. And I'm not just going to randomly throw out these Sanskrit words without knowing them. And she, it was like this whole commentary on using Sanskrit in yoga classes because we do do that as teachers and we're kind of butchering this beautiful language. And so it was like, you either go all in and you learn what all of the pose names are and you say them in Sanskrit or you like honor that you don't know them. And so there, you know, there's a lot of that too. Like we're really mispronouncing things in different parts of India. You know, they say like Shavasana or Savasana, like it depends on the part of India where your yoga practice originated from, but a lot of people don't even take the time to like learn that. Um, and it's actually, this is kind of like a secret yoga teacher thing, but it's often common for like yoga teachers to really panic when somebody who is of Indian descent comes into their class because they're like, this person is the real deal (laughs) and I'm going to get called out. I cannot tell you how many times I've had teachers like, you know, completely panic, especially when I was, I managed a studio for that year that I was like, teaching full-time and people would freak out because it's just basically like, I'm about to get called out here. And it's like, well, if that's how we're going into this, maybe we should like dig a little deeper than like crossing your fingers and hoping nobody with an Indian background ever comes and takes your class. That is a very good point. And I also feel like that based on what you're saying, I feel like it's like what America does with everything. It's like Tex-Mex and how we create Chinese food. And it's like, we take these things and then make it absolutely nothing like it actually is. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, you know, I've taken classes that are amazing, but I'm like, this isn't yoga. This was like a cool choreographed workout in a really hot room. You know, like the hot yoga is like, that didn't originate in India. That originated with Bikram, who, yes, he is Indian, but he was just trying to make his classes seem as hard as possible, right? There's all of these things that people just like don't take the time to think about. And so it is, I think you just need to be careful. And if you are getting really into yoga, you need to take the time to learn about the origins of it and really try to honor that those practices. I mean, like if you go to an ashram in India, which is like, you know, a yoga school or a place of yoga study, often the classes look completely different than what we practice here. And there's a lot of chanting and meditation and, you know, there are some poses, but they might not be in like a flow style that we're used to in the U.S. Well, we made it a workout. We made it a workout, 100%. And that's not, I mean, yoga can be for that, but that's not like it's 100% purpose. And I can't tell you how many times I've taught at studios in neighborhoods that are very, very wealthy in Seattle and have people be like, I want a harder workout. And I'm like, that's not really the point. Like, go to a Pilates class, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I've even gone to classes where like I didn't sweat at all and I have to be mindful of how I feel about that at the end Yeah, <laughs> where I'm like, wait, like did this? And it's like, oh my gosh, I feel so good afterwards. Yeah. That is like, I think that that is our cultural conditioning about needing to be productive, needing to always be having a purpose and also like working hard when it's like, it's actually okay to give your body rest. And I know when I eventually got to a point where I was doing more yin yoga and I was like loving it. I was like, oh, you just get to hold like a deep stretch for three minutes. When have you done that for your body? Like never. Yeah. <laughs> how kind is this? <laughs> right. And if you're just going to yoga, like I have been there and I do this sometimes still, if you're going to yoga just for the workout, there is nothing wrong with that. But just be honest about that. Like be honest about like, this is my workout or like a doctor has prescribed this to me because I have really tight, you know, hamstrings or whatever. There's nothing wrong with that. Just like be upfront about it and like also try to take the time to honor things. Another example of cultural appropriation is like you see like the ohm symbol printed on like every piece of yoga apparel and like random Sanskrit words. It's like when people get tattoos of like Chinese symbols Mm -hmm. that say like they don't know what it says. You know, it's like things like that or like mala beads, those like yoga necklaces are really popular, but that's used as like a meditation tool. But I've seen so many teachers just like walking around with them on their neck or on their wrists. And it's like, you know, are you using this as a prop to like feed into this image that you're trying to portray? Or do you really have an active meditation practice? And it's okay if it's both. But just again, why are you buying this? Mm hmm. I think that those are really excellent points. And it's a lot that I haven't, I, that I don't see or know about within the world of yeah. yoga. <laughs> well, and I also like, you know, I, I credit so many teachers who I have worked with and who I have met who have been in this industry way longer than I have, who have helped like guide me into being able to see that stuff. Cause I truly think otherwise I wouldn't have noticed it as much or been as aware of it. And it's also a big part of why I don't teach a ton of classes right now. I teach one class a week on on Zoom. Guys, if you ever want to come, let me know. It's through the studio I mentioned, but I just kind of was like, I need to take a step back from this because yoga is so important to me that if I'm like, you know, teaching all the time that it makes me resent yoga, which is like not something that you want. But also the more I learn about yoga, the more I feel like as a practitioner, I'm not able to like super honor everything that I want to learn and teach people. So I need to like spend more time learning and doing that than like teaching people. I need to like have my own yoga education because I do think that there's, yeah, there's just so many, there's so many facets of it and there's so much information that it's our responsibility as practitioners to learn. And I actually know quite a few teachers who have been like, I don't feel comfortable teaching at all right now, the more I learn about the cultural appropriation in this. So I'm going to take a break and come back when I feel like I can more comfortably like be representing yoga and representing like Americans teaching yoga. So fascinating, fascinating. Well, I would love to wrap it up on a positive note and I want to hear what your favorite aspect of yoga is and like what brings you the most joy about yoga. Yeah, I think, um, well, there's two things equally. I think it's so cool to like, like yoga is so badass and you learn about your body in these ways that you just wouldn't learn about your body otherwise, like, you know, where you're strong, where you're flexible. Um, it pushes you to be able to do really cool things like handstands, if that's something that you want. But then also, you know, when I got in my car accident, I couldn't physically do yoga anymore. So I was like, all right, there's seven other limbs. (laughs) 
of this. I'm going to explore those. And that's how I got really into my mindfulness practice. And now I like cannot imagine my life without it. So I love yoga for that reason. Like there's always new things to explore and learn about yourself and new levels to unlock, if you will. And I just think it's really fascinating. What about you, Stacia? I love that. I think for me, it is similar. One of the things that I have loved learning through yoga is that your body is this super complex, awesome system. And I feel like yoga really helps to remind you that you have so much ability to heal and you have so much ability to give your body all these really cool things through your practice. Like, okay, when you're doing this pose, like this actually like massages your pituitary gland and can help too. So I feel like it's really good for kind of hormonal regulation and all these things that it's more than like way more than just a workout. Like there's so many elements to it that help keep your body functioning in a really awesome way. So I've appreciated just kind of learning more about my body through it as well as it being a really amazing opportunity. Like I said earlier to reconnect with my body and to be in my body and to feel the sensations happening in my body and to sweat and push myself sometimes, but also allow myself to rest through the poses and just explore different types of classes and finding what works for me and what gives me what I need. And honestly, when I was at my on my little retreat, I did each morning just a little like 20 minute flow to get my day started. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that. I really miss consistently practicing because ever since the pandemic, I used to go to classes pretty often. But since we got quarantined, I like pretty much have not done yoga. And I was like, oh my gosh, I miss it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so much of it is like the experience of being at a class. Like it's it's not the same when you're practicing by yourself. I totally And I, I mean, totally I think that. there are great resources like besides just classes. I've started doing a little bit more yoga with Adrian, one of my fave YouTube Love channels. Love yoga with Adrian. <laughs> um, I also really like Aloe Moves has really Ooh, good okay. yoga. I'll link that in here. I haven't seen, I haven't used theirs, but I'm sure they would have a lot of really awesome resources. But I think that it was a good reminder and I'm glad we're talking about this now because I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, yes, Stacia, like yoga gives your body so many gifts and such wonderful opportunities to be more compassionate and to be more mindful of where your body is at and to check in with your body. It's time with yourself. Uh, Yeah, it's time just with yourself, which is so important. (laughs) What's your yay for the day, Stacia? Oh my goodness. Uh, Where to even begin? My yay for the day is I'm just really filled with gratitude. I just wrapped up last night my stay for quarantine at this beautiful little one bedroom cabin on the water on Vashon. And it truly was such a gift to have that space to kind of ride out this uncertain time. It was the first time I've been back on Vashon, which is quote unquote home for me. And rented my own space. So it also was like a fun little adulting thing where I was like, oh, wow, like I'm my own person. It's not like, okay, like my childhood bedroom, (laughs) Yes, uh, which is I've done that before. And so it was really nice to have my own space throughout this time, but also a really nice space in spite of the end being a bit of a spider um, fest. <laughs> you are a spider queen. They I really you. am. I really am. I can handle anything. I'm so spider resilient, except for not going to lie. I don't know if you saw me get distracted there for a moment during our episode. Because it, a it was a tiny spider, literally smaller than a pea, but he was 
jumping, like leaping, like no nope. feet at a time, Mm-mm. just like no, no, hopping. No. And I was like, you're not big, but you are doing weird shit that I do not like. You are mighty. <laughs> yeah. He was going, I was, I've, I mean, I think I've seen these guys before, but they have some serious leaping power. Yuck. And I was like, okay, nope. But I have gotten a lot more spider resilient. But I'm just, again, I'm just very grateful and also grateful for this, like, also, is it really, I'm not going to say it, but it's like Indian summer really racist. Like, should we not say that thing as a term? I, I've never really thought about where that phrase comes from. Probably. But it's probably honestly. offensive. So I'm just going to uh, say. I heard people just say Seattle summer. There we go. it's like, it always happens. I'm glad that we have still some really beautiful weather left in this season because the leaves are falling and whatever else but it is still super sunny and gorgeous and i'm like not ready for the pnw depression that's about to happen oh, yeah, <laughs> that's why i'm trying to leave <laughs> but <laughs> gotta get my van but those are my my yays and i would love to hear I yours yeah my so as Stacia and i are recording this it's the tuesday after labor day so we just had a three-day weekend theoretically and i made a really strong intention to like be away from my phone and my tv and my computer this weekend and like you know there's nothing wrong with sitting and watching netflix but i often realize like you were saying after your retreat Stacia, like when i'm away from my phone or away from distractions is when I feel the best. So I made a conscious effort to like, like I did some crafting this weekend. I went on some walks. I just like sat and enjoyed my backyard without like doing anything. And I felt so good. And then it was just a reminder again, I think that it's easy to get sucked into all of these distractions and things to do, but not being on my phone just for a short period of time and just... I always kind of feel like when I do that, like it's like when we were little, when there weren't like cell phones and stuff, just like reconnecting back with like old, like Lizzie life. It felt really good. So I'm trying to make more of an effort to like read books rather than like zone out and watch TV because that just never makes me feel good. I had the realization this weekend. I was like, I never like remember sitting and playing a game on my phone for hours. You know, like you don't look back and be like, remember like three years ago when I just played Tetris, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was my yay. I love that. And I think that giving yourself that permission to, to do something like we've said many times for the sake of doing it, like disconnecting and doing crafts and whatever else. Cause I've had to find myself giving myself permission this last week when I went to go and tie dye that day, I ended up not really doing any of the work that I quote unquote was telling myself I should do or needed to do. And instead just like tie dyed with my best friend. And then they let me stay for a socially distanced dinner on the deck. And like, it was just such a beautiful day. And I, there was a point where I had to like mentally talk to myself of like, it's okay to enjoy this moment. You don't need to be worried about what you should be going home to do. Like be present now and enjoy this moment now, because this is really, truly like this, this is life. This is living. It's not about Mm -hmm. your to-do list. This is what you'll remember. Yeah. So I love that. I love that for you. And thank you guys all so much for listening and for being here. Your rates, reviews, and subscribes mean so much to us. Please keep sharing with your friends. And remember, hey, you got this. 
Hi, you guys. Stacia and I are so excited to share that we now have a Hey, You Got This podcast newsletter that you can sign up for. The link is in our show notes as well as our Instagram bio. And by signing up for our email list, you will be notified every time a fresh episode drops. You will get extra show notes and details from each episode, along with some other fun and exclusive pieces of content from Stacia and I. Thank you so much for your support, and we can't wait to see you in your inbox.